Well, I want to talk to you about something that every time I witness to someone and ask them, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Which is the typical question that I ask people. Where are you going when you die? And believe it or not, they always say, well, I, I hope I'm going to heaven. Or I think I'm going to go. Well, I'm doing the best I can. So in reality, majority of people think that you have to wait until you die to find out where you're going. That idea can come from several verses that seems to say that that's the way it's going to be. So I want you to see this. Take your Bible and look in the book of John, the Gospel of John, and verse 29. John chapter 5, verse 29. The Lord says that the day will come when all that are in the graves will hear His voice. And that's found in verse 28 where it says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So there it is. One day, everybody's going to be raised, and those that have done good, eternal life. Those that have done bad, eternal damnation. So it seems like it's uh, going to happen after you live, and you've died. Now, lo and behold, you're standing before the great judge. And he's going to put those scales out there because he's talking about the good and he's talking about the bad. Now, you can see how somebody could get that impression, right? That you got to wait. If you just went through and you just picked out verses out of the Bible, you can make this book say just about anything you want it to say. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 says, in verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose faces the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. All right, look up here. We have the great white throne. The Bible talks about a great white throne judgment. And then he says this in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their what? Their works. So you see there? This is after people have died. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the great judge at the great white throne. So it gives the appearance that whenever we die, we're going to stand at this judgment and we're going to be judged according to our works. And whether you were good or whether you were bad, to see which way you're going to go. Now, let's just pretend today, for the sake of illustration, for those individuals who believe they're going to find out after they're dead. Now, they will find out the truth after they're dead. But whether or not what they believe was the truth, are you really going to find out after you're dead whether or not your good must outweigh your bad to determine which way you go. And then he puts the scales out there and he puts your good works over here and all your bad ones over here. 
and see which way. Sitting there sweating it out. Now, when you get there, and you had a choice, and so here's the judge, and the Lord says, I'm going to give you an option. Now, my son, Jesus Christ, standing right here, he went to the cross and paid for all of your sins. And he offers it to you as a free gift. Or, option number two, you can see if you earned it by your good life. Which would you choose? Now, think. It's free if you trust Christ. But you could have this judgment where you can find out, did I earn it? Because maybe I'm good enough. And I don't have to do that because I've been a pretty good guy all my life. I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. I helped the little old ladies across the street. They didn't want to go, but I helped them. And maybe you put some banana peelings on the old folks' home, but, you know, maybe you did a lot of good deeds. And you want to sweat it out. Now, God says, now, before you make this decision, I want to take and show you something. He says, now, I want you to see this. I want you to see that there is this holy city. Here you are. There's this holy city that you can live in. So you look down in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, and he makes this statement. He says, and I saw a new heavens and a new earth. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now you and I know that the prettiest things we've ever seen is when that girl, oh, she may be cute and pretty and all the rest of it, but she never looks any better than she does on the day she gets married. She's all dressed up. I mean, she's got all the makeup, and she, her hair's been done, and she's just gorgeous. And the guy looks around and says, is that the same one? I mean, his heart pitter-patters. And I saw a commercial the other day on TV. I thought it was so funny. The man walks in with his bride. Getting ready to come down the aisle. And this old man's up there at the organ. And he starts playing. You know, the military charge. And this old woman down in the front, she stands up and shouts, Charge! Her heart is broken. This was her moment to be messed up by somebody who plays, not the bridal hymn, but the charge. And you can mess things up very easily. But now you think. When you see the holy city prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, it must be at the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. You've never seen anything like this. We have never seen a city like this holy city. I mean, it's supposed to have a, a river that runs through it with manner of fruits. Twelve different kinds of fruit from the tree of life. I mean, it's got walls of jasper and streets of gold. What a place prepared. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I may receive you unto myself. So there's this holy city, and God says, now, before we make this decision here, He says, it can be free, or you can earn it. He says, now, understand this. 
this holy city and where you will live for all eternity. I'll give you everlasting life. Everlasting life. And he said, and I promise, I will never cast you out. So you know that once you get in, he'll never cast you out. Once you get in, you know he'll never lose you. For no reason. Guaranteed. It's forever. Eternal happiness, eternal bliss, pleasure forevermore. You've heard all the words. He says, now, let me tell you something else. So he says, now look there in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Look what I've got for you. This is what you've been wanting all your life. And there you stand. But you believe that you're going to be judged according to your works, good or bad. And he says, now, this is what I offer you. It's free. But if you earned it, you also get to go in. You only get one choice. Either you accept what I did, or you must accept what you did. Which way would be the safest way? Which would be a guaranteed way? Free or depend upon you? But, but, but before you make that decision, let me explain a little bit more to you. So he says, now let me show you this. So he takes the Bible and he shows you Luke. Look in Luke chapter 16. The book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 there's a story, but let's say that while you're standing there and you're going to make this awesome decision, and this decision that depends upon you, depending upon you and your works, lo and behold, he says, now remember, if you make the wrong decision and trust in your works, but you don't make it. If you don't make it, you need to know the consequences. So God wants to lay it out so that you know the consequences of your bad decision. So he kind of moves and slides it over so that you get a literal glimpse into hell. And as you look down in the hell and you see the smoke and you see the fire, you see the brimstone, you see the people. And he makes a statement in verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, been in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And then the Lord says, Now look, if you don't make it, this is what you're going to have for all eternity. Over here you have eternal bliss given to you by grace. It's free. Doesn't cost you anything. I paid the price by giving my son. He paid your sin debt. And you can go freely. And it's forever. Or you can trust in what you have done. But understanding, if you don't make it, this is the consequences. Your place in hell will be forever and forever and forever. Now he says death and hell were delivered up. It means that when you die here and now in this life, you will go to a place called hell over there in place of torment. And then at the resurrection, he says he's bringing those people out of there 
and their bodies will be resurrected and they will stand at the great white throne judgment. So that hell is a temporary hell until the final judgment. And then there is going to be those that whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the final lake of fire, which is called Gehenna. So he lets you know that if you make the wrong decision, you will spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire-burning hell. And as this man says, let him come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And no one could go. There is no relief of any suffering. So you have been given the information to make a wise decision. Now, based upon this, wouldn't a man be wise to accept the salvation by grace instead of running the risk of his own works? Think about it. But isn't that exactly what people are doing now? Because God has given us this picture. He tells us all of this is true. And there you stand. And so you're looking for all these good deeds that you've done. You know, you didn't forget all those bad ones. But he, God, you remember the good ones. You remember all your good things you've done. You probably don't recall all the bad ones you've done, right? And here you are. You're standing before the judge of all the earth. And shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, after all, look how good you've been. Look how helpful you've been. Look at all those wonderful things you've done for everybody. And now you're standing before the judge. And now you're going to put all your works out there. And he says you're going to be judged according to your works. So he puts all your works over here. All those, the bad works. And he puts none of your works over here. And you say, well, wait, 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 wait. What about all my good works that I did? He says, all of your righteousness are as filthy rags. You don't have any good works. There are no good works. It's not like I got a chance to get all these good works that I'll weigh my bad works. God already says, there is none good, no, not one. All of your so-called righteousness in our eyes, God says they're filthy in His eyes. It's an abomination. And here you were, depending upon these good works to outweigh those bad ones. And you find out there are none. All were bad. Now at this moment, when you found out you had no good works, you knew you had no reason, no justifiable cause for the judge of all the earth to let you into heaven. And you knew you blew it. Your hope is gone. You made the wrong choice. Wouldn't that be a terrible, terrible moment? But I believe that a lot of people are going to find out just how true this is. But you know, you don't have to wait until you die to find out where you're going. You say, well, how do you explain some of those verses? Look there in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Chapter 5. In John chapter 5, there's a wonderful verse, and you'll understand verses better when you keep them in their context, in their own chapter, or in their own book, and you'll have a better grasp of these truths. Now, look what he says in verse 29. 
He said, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. They that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. That's what he says. So how do you explain that? Good, bad. It's very simple. You see up here in verse 24. Verse 24, it says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. You have to hear it. Then he says in verse 24, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You see, a lot of people believe this. They believe that when you get to heaven, that is when eternal life begins. That's when you get it, and that's when eternal life begins. Because, see, if we're in heaven, and now he's going to give me eternal life. And then they take the verses, he'll never cast me out because I'm in heaven. He'll never cast me out. Isn't that wonderful? He'll never lose me. I'm in heaven. That's wonderful. Now I know I have what they call eternal security. Right? Once you're there and you got it, it's e what, you think people have trouble with eternal security then? Why do they have trouble with eternal security now? What's so bad about once saved, always saved? Isn't it true that once I'm in heaven, isn't it once you're saved, you're always saved for all eternity? You say, how do you know that? Because you take God at His word. Well, wait a minute. The God who says it here said it back there. So I've already got His word on it. And so the key thing boils down to is when does God give to me eternal life? When does He give it to me? Well, when we get to heaven, we'll get it. Uh-uh. You need to understand what He said. Now look what He said in verse 24. He says, hath, present tense, hath, right now, hath, what? Everlasting life. And then look at the last part of that verse. And shall not come into condemnation. That's in the future. You cannot be condemned in the future. You see, God's word is true. So he says, he that heareth my word. Look at verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. So those that are, yes, in the grave, they're going to hear His voice. And He's going to say to those who already believe on Him, they're going to, bodies are going to come from the graves. The other ones, they won't until about a thousand, seven years later at least. And they will stand at the, another judgment a resurrection for here, when Christ comes back and all the believers of the Old Testament and so forth, they're going to be resurrected, their bodies, especially from the tribulation period. We are taken out here, the rapture. But Jesus is coming back. And He is going to sound forth His voice. And those who hear, there's going to be a resurrection. Those that have done good unto the resurrection. But what is this good? He's talking about the voice. Look at in verse 28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice. He just said in verse 24, He that heareth my word and believeth. So those who have heard the voice, heard His word, heard what He had to say. Well, what did He say? He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now, take your Bible and look in John chapter 3. The Gospel of John Chapter 3. Remember, he makes this statement over and over again as to when you receive eternal life. So when do I get this eternal life? Because once I get it, he guarantees 
on the authority of His Word, you can never lose it. You cannot lose eternal life. It would be temporary. It's eternal life. So He says here in John chapter 3, look in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross. And then in verse 15, that whosoever, anybody, believeth in him should not perish. That means will not go to hell, but have everlasting life. means go to heaven. So every person who trusts Christ will have everlasting life. Have when you believe it. So when do you get eternal life? When do you get it? The moment you trust Christ as your Savior. I am not going to get eternal life. I already have eternal life. Understand this. The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5, it makes a statement, this is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So having the Son is having eternal life. He is eternal life. And he said, he will never leave me. And you know what he said? He'll never leave me. He won't. I have eternal life from now on. When did I get it? The day I trusted Christ as my Savior. This is why he says, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. You became a son of God the very moment you trusted the Lord. And all of God's children have eternal life. And if it's eternal life, yeah, I'll never cast you out and never lose you. So do I have to wait for some judgment in the future to find out where I'm going? No. You see, I've already made that decision. I don't have to wait till I get there to find out if my good outweighs my bad. You see, the only reason that's for them, that's to determine the amount of punishment they receive in hell. It doesn't determine their destination. They're already going to hell. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're already going to heaven. There's no judgment in the future that determines your destination. Your destination was determined the day you trusted Christ. You made that decision at that moment in time. If you wait until you get to heaven to think you're going to get a second chance, it'll never happen. Your choice to be able to choose. God in His sovereignty chose to give us a free will. You make that decision in this life. If you wait until it's too late and you die without Christ, you will go to a Christless hell, an eternity separated from God. And it doesn't have to be that way. You see, I'm a kind of old-fashioned. I still believe the Bible is true. I believe there's a heaven and I believe there's a hell. And the reason I've been serving the Lord for 55 years is because I just don't want people to go to hell. Not when they don't have to. Most of them just do not understand. They've never heard the gospel made simple and clear. So, how do you explain this? They that have done good in the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Well, he's talking about those who hear. What's the good thing for you to do when you hear it? Believe it. There's those who will not believe it. So you see this in chapter 3 of John. Look what he says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
And then in verse 17 where he says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now who did He do this for? The whole world. Now whosoever in the whole world. God does not want you to die and stand at the great white throne judgment to be judged by God to determine the punishment you receive in hell. You see, how a man lives is very important. It doesn't determine your destination. But it does determine the amount of punishment a person receives. You be taken into consideration the amount of light that a person has. Does God know what you know? Does God know what you could have known had you sought? He says, seek the Lord with all your heart and you shall find Him. People who really, you want to know God, you can know God. All you have to do is follow truth, follow light. It always goes back to its source. Now notice what it says here. In verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned when? So you see, you're not waiting for some judgment in eternity to find out whether or not you're condemned or not. God says the whole world is guilty because everybody sinned. And everybody is guilty. Everybody's condemned. But he says, they that believe are not condemned. But they that believe not are condemned already. So we're not waiting for this judgment to determine this. It's determined by the decision you make now. Will you believe or not believe? That word believe simply means to trust, to rely upon. Will you rely upon what Christ did on the cross to get you to heaven? See, if you don't trust that, you're going to have to trust your works. But God says, by your works, no man is justified. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. If he says it's not of works and no man can be saved by his works, why do you think God will let you stand at some judgment to determine whether you go to heaven or not by your works? You're already condemned. Every man who stands at that judgment is already condemned. You see, you and I as Christians, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a rewarding stand. That's where God is going to reward you for what you did for Him. So we're going to be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We're going to be judged. But it's a rewarding stand to see the rewards that you're going to get because of what you did for the Lord while you were on the earth. They're going to be judged according to their works. But not for rewards, not for salvation, but for punishment. Now get this. Look what it says in verse 19. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. Men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now get verse 20 and 21. You see, the Scriptures will always be explained in the Scriptures. The Bible teaches itself what it means. Verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil, and verse 21, but he that doeth truth or good. So you have these two words used right here. And you read these before you get over there to chapter 5. Doesn't chapter 3 come before chapter 5? I, I thought it would. So here in chapter 3 he says, Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. Or right, who is the light? Who's the light? Jesus. 
But before I just tell you that and you not believe me, look there in chapter 1. I want you to see this. Look what he says in verse 7 of John chapter 1. The same, talking about John the Baptist, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might what? The light. You come to the light in order to be saved. Might believe. In verse 8, he, John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Are we talking about Jesus Christ here? And down in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus Christ. He says, and you'll notice that he's claimed to be the light of the world. He says in chapter 8 of John, I am the light of the world. So he says here in chapter 3, go back to chapter 3, in verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, But he that doeth truth, doeth good, cometh to the light. So who's the one that does good? The one that comes to the light. Well, who's the light? That's Christ. And why does he come to the light? That he might believe. And he believes that what Christ said was the truth. So when he says, those that have done good unto the resurrection of life, is those that have trusted Christ as Savior, that have believed on the Lord. Those that have done evil are those who have rejected the salvation that God's offered. So you see, it's the evil that is going to stand at this judgment. Not those who have believed on Christ. You see, Christ took our judgment. He paid for our sins. We will never hear or there, give account of sins. Heaven, for us, is where God is going to judge according to your works. And that is for reward. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, notice there in chapter 6, verse 37. These are some familiar verses, but I want you to know that what God said, if applied at the great white throne judgment, or after we're dead and we're in heaven, and he says to you, I now give you everlasting life. You wouldn't have no problem with that. Because I'm dead, I'm in heaven. If he said, I'll never cast you out, well, you can believe that. And I'll never lose you, you can believe that. But because he gave it to you before you died, all those promises. Well, is there any difference in the word of God today then later, which would have more value to it? Truth is still truth. So I don't wait till I die to get eternal life. Then he'll never cast me out. Now he won't never lose me. No. 55 years ago, in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia, this dumb little 18-year-old, smart-aleck, know-it-all teenager trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And God gave me eternal life. It had absolutely nothing to do with how I lived my life. It wasn't contingent upon me earning it, deserving it, been worthy of nothing. He gave it to me because he loved me. He gave me eternal life and gave me his word. I'll never cast you out. That doesn't start when I get to heaven. That starts when he gave me eternal life.
that day, that moment, I have eternal life. And he says, I'll never lose you. I have his word on that. Now, either his word has meaning or it has none. If you can't believe what he says, go home and take your Bible and throw it in the trash. Or believe it and stand on it. Look what he says in verse 37. John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. This is when you come to him. And when you come to him, you come into the light. Why? That you may believe and have eternal life. So I came to the light. I came to the truth. I understood what Christ did on the cross for me, and I accepted him as my Savior. He died and paid for my sins. Why? Because he didn't want me to do it. He paid for my sins because he'd rather die than live without me. And he did the same thing for you. And whosoever would believe it. See, in the minds of most people, they just can't believe that you could trust Christ as your Savior here and then it not have to require you to deserve it for the rest of your life. Isn't that wonderful? You didn't have to deserve it until the day you trusted Christ. Now you have to deserve it to keep it. I didn't have to deserve it to get it. Why should I have to deserve it to keep it? Was it free or not free? When Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins, did He pay for all of them? Or just up to the time I trusted Him as my Savior? Then how is that going to get these paid for? Is He going to come back tomorrow and pay for what I did yesterday? No. He paid for all my sins. See, that's why I can't go to hell. I don't have any sins to pay for. He died and paid for all my sins. I couldn't go to hell if I tried. And any preacher that won't tell you that, he ain't worth a quarter. And he doesn't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't believe that salvation is truly by grace and grace alone. Either it's free or it's not free. Look what he says in verse 39. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which hath given me, I should lose what? Nothing. Look in verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me is going to get eternal life after he dies. Hath. Present tense. Hath. When? Right now. Look in John chapter 10, verse 28. John chapter 10, verse 28. In verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life. I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Is that a promise or not? They'll never perish. That's the same perish that you find in John 3.15 and John 3.16. Never perish. But then maybe God didn't really mean what he said. Maybe he slipped. Do you think God is capable of meaning what he says and saying what he means? This is why, see, some people say, well, you know, all the churches, they preach the same thing. I'm afraid not. I wish they would because there's only one gospel. And the true gospel is that the man is saved by grace. The only way you can have a, another gospel is you've got to add works to it. You have to add something to it over more than just believing. So the only you got to do is go to heaven is believe it. Well, the only way you can add something, you've got to add works to that. And no man saved by his works. You don't touch it. God is God, and he's already spoken. But here in John chapter 10, when it's to say, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This is why it's so important. Now, as you go through and you look at these verses and so forth, we're back to reality. You see, that day hasn't come yet. Wouldn't it be terrible 
to have to wait until you die and stand before the judge to find out if you're going to make it or not. Now, what if you didn't? What are you going to do about it? What if you lived all your life and hoped that you were going to make it? Maybe if I just put a tear in my eye. I mean, God knew my heart. He knew how sweet I was. He knew that I loved Him. And God says, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. I never knew you. He can only know you as if you're His child. And that can only come by the new birth, born into His family. See, the only ones that go to heaven are only those in God's family. And none of God's family can go to hell. That's why once you trust Christ as your Savior, yes, you're God's child. You say, what if I don't live like it? That's your choice. You mean you still go to heaven? Of course. Of course you go to heaven. It wasn't contingent upon how you live. Well, then what's my motivation? I guess mine is I, uh, I just can't get over how much He loved me. I just can't fathom this idea that He would make it like this. You see, if I was God and I was in charge... I'd make you sweat every moment. <laughs> you did anything wrong, I'd just take it away from you. If I was on the cross, I'd have came down, slapped a few jaws, and then went back up. But he did it because he loved me. And I haven't got over that yet. I serve him because I love him. And I love him because he loved me first. I really believe he loves me. I don't think he just gave me a chance to earn my way to heaven. He died so I could have a chance to earn my way to heaven. No, he died so I could have eternal life and it was the only way to get to heaven. You have children. Do you want your children to love you because they want to and because they really do? Or do you want to make them? Do you want to force them? Or do you want them to choose to love you? you want that wife of yours to love you or do you want to make her? You better love me or else. You want them to do it because they really love you. You want to be faithful because they really care. And nobody can make you feel like that. I chose myself that if I'm God's child, I realize that if I serve the Lord here, that He'll bless me. When I get to heaven, He'll reward me. And I also know that if I'm a rebellious, disobedient child, that God will chasten me and maybe take me home before my time. And that I'll be ashamed before Him at His coming. And I don't want the Lord to be ashamed of me. I don't want to be ashamed of the way I've lived. So I just come to a decision. Doesn't it make sense to be obedient and disobedient? Think about it. If you're so smart, if you're so wise, then why don't you serve God? Only a fool would turn away from serving the Lord. So you don't serve him to get to heaven, but because you're going to heaven, you should want to serve the Lord. But if you don't, you're still his child, you still go to heaven, but you're rebellious. Now you explain that. You explain. I haven't had one person ever give me a good reason why they should not serve God. I've done a lot of funerals. I've been in a lot of nursing homes. I've talked to a lot of older people. I've never had anybody tell me, you know, I really regret serving God. I have a lot of people say, no, I regret that I've wasted my life. That I made a lot of wrong decisions. But nobody can make you do right. That has to come from you on the inside. Do you love Him? After all He's done for you, don't you love Him? To know that you have eternal life, know that you're going to be in heaven with the Lord for all eternity. 
What could Satan offer you in this world that would be greater than what God's got for you? This is where you reveal your wisdom by the choices that you make. A man who waits till he gets to heaven, rejecting salvation by grace, and tries to earn his way, how foolish. And then think about the Christian, those who know the Lord, who waste their lives chasing the things of this world, and it's all going to be destroyed. Everything in this world. Why waste your life for anything you can lose? Let me show you something. It's been two weeks. You probably forgot that I do this. You won't believe this. I haven't got a credit card. You know what that credit card's a sign of? Not money. It could be a sign of debt. How many of y'all got more than just one debt? Two debts, three debts. It could be a sign of, I owe something. So yes, the wallet is perfect to use as a sin debt. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. The Bible says that we have all sinned. We have a sinful nature. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. We're all in debt. We got a whole bunch of credit cards. We owe, and you owe God. See, when you were born, you owed God a life of perfection. How you doing? Well, not so good. But not as bad as Peter Amato. <laughs> oh, then you must be pretty good. But I don't think that's going to work either. And God says, you cannot earn your way to heaven. That's why you need a Savior, Jesus Christ. This hand represented him. Came into the world, he had no sin, didn't have to die. So he says he loves us, but he hates our sin. So he that our sin separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And He says, the only thing we have to do to go to heaven, believe He did it for us. There's no works. You don't deserve it. Nobody has ever lived good enough to deserve to go to heaven. We've all sinned. But God loves us. And He made that payment. And see, I don't have to wait until some judgment to see if my good outweighs my bad. It never will. There are no good works. There are none. That's why we need a Savior. So Christ died, paid for your sins, and said, if you'll believe, He did it for you. That payment He made, He puts it to your account. You go to heaven on what He did. You don't deserve that. And so that's why we can know we have eternal life, because He gives us eternal life the moment you believe. If you trust Christ right now as your Savior, God gives you eternal life right now. And if He gives you eternal life right now, He said, I'll never cast you out. I will never lose you. You are guaranteed heaven. That's why we call it eternal security. You see, if you're not secure forever, you're not secure at all. Don't that make sense? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Would you right now in the quietness of this moment, or if you're watching by internet, realize that God loves you. He paid for your sins because He doesn't want you to go to hell. He gave you the freedom. He gave you an option. Made it simple. Made it clear. It's by grace or it's by works. He says, by grace are you saved. Meaning it's free. You don't have to work for it. Would you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? You may have heard about it all your life, but have you honestly said, yes, I will trust Him. God said, if you'll believe it, He would give you as a free gift eternal life. 
Would you believe on him? Would you trust him? If you will make that decision, I'd like to know it. And I'm going to ask in just a moment if you'll raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'm not going to have you forward or embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, is there anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you slip it up very quickly? Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up. Put it right back down. Remember, once you trust Christ as Savior, you never have to do it again. He can only save you once. He can only give you eternal life once. And once you trust Him, He saves you. And if you're watching by internet, you could write where you're sitting. Right on the screen, it says, yes, I will trust Christ. If you'll just click that, let us know that there was somebody out there that heard the gospel and trusted the Lord today. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the free gift of everlasting life, for loving us so much. And Father, we pray that the ones that indicated that they would trust your Savior would know positively in their own mind, I'm going to heaven because today God gave me eternal life and I'm his child. And Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here. Help us to serve you, not to get to heaven, but because we love you for what you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.